going to get into today's uh, teaching, and it's, it's not a long teaching, it's not a complicated one, it's just something that uh, the Lord continues to remind me through every season of life, regardless of what we're going through, but I, um, you know, I do have some, some testimonies on some things that I want to point out to you so that you can kind of follow along and see how this, you know, looks into your life and maybe look different. Um, if you open up your Bible with me to Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stay, stays awake in vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved, what? Sleep. Let me read the Passion Translation. It's awesome. It says, if God's grace, if God's what? Grace doesn't help the builders, they will labor in vain to build a house. If God's grace doesn't help the builders. Who's the builders? We're the builders, right? But it's saying if God's grace doesn't help us, then we labor in vain. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the sentries will circle it in vain. It is really senseless to work so hard from early morning to late at night. And, and I want to pause right here because... It's very good to work hard, but it's, this is referring to the condition under which you work really hard. And if you work really hard without God's grace, that's what it's referring to, it's in vain, right? It says, from, it's, it's really senseless to work so hard from early morning till late at night, toiling to make a living for fear of not having enough. God can provide for his lovers even while they sleep. Say with me, rest. Rest is an action to grace. When you're, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm working really hard and that's a really good thing. But you can work really hard under the law and you can work really hard under grace. When you work really hard under the law is when you're doing it on your own. When you have no acknowledgement of God being present in what you're doing. When you cannot take a break and you cannot rest. You're doing it under the law. And so that means that the grace of God is absent of empowering and multiplying and blessing what you're setting your hands to. But when you're doing it under grace with God... To the point that you can take a break, you can take a day off without work. Then you're doing it under grace, and you're and it's empowered and it's blessed. You know, this is um, it's uh, sometimes have you felt like you're forcing things? You're you're just like really pushing hard, you know, and you hang on to that verse incorrectly. You're like, well, the Bible says it's violent; we'll take it by force, and you're just violently trying to open up a door that God's like, no. That's not the door, you know. God, when His grace is involved in it, you know, He swings the door wide open for you. You don't have to force it. It's His power at work in and through you. Um, I love this part. He says, it's really senseless to work so hard from early morning to late at night, toiling to make a living 
for fear of not having enough. God can provide for his lovers even while they sleep. And do you ever go to bed thinking like, I'm going to go to sleep and for the next hour, God is working on my behalf? That's pretty amazing. Um, and so today I want to talk about this ability to work hard, but doing it under grace and being able to rest. You know, so many people are getting sick. So many people, you know, just they don't have time. They're stressed all the time. They, they can't pass an opportunity to make money. It's like, oh, man, but uh, I could be working and I could be making a lot of money because, you know, it's a great job. It's a, it's a great business deal. It's a great thing. And, and you're, you can't rest. You can't spend time with your wife. You can't spend time with your kids. You can't go to church. You can't serve. You can't do any, a lot of those are things because of work, 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 work. Like, Pastor, do you have a service like that is maybe like 37 minutes on a Thursday around... My lunchtime? <laughs> no. <laughs> hmm. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read from verses 1 through 8. You know, when God does it, it's better than anything. It's more, it, it's more productive, more efficient, more powerful, uh, it, there's no sorrow added to the blessing of the Lord. In Luke 5, 1, it says, So it was, as the multitude passed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So they were done. They were wrapping up. They were washing their nets, Okay. And it says, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Okay, this is Peter. It says, and it asked him to put it a little, uh, to put, to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. It says, when he had stopped speaking. So why did Jesus do this? You know, um, some some people say that it's because um, the water would carry the sound of his voice better. That's what I've heard. You know, uh, maybe the multitude was. Too big, and he needed to put a little distance to kind of create some order, you know, uh, so that everybody could hear. And so he jumps into Peter's boat, and he starts teaching the word from the boat, right? And it says, when he was done, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But I want you to remember this. They had been toiling all night, okay? They, they, they were already washing their nets. They were done. And it says, Peter answered and said to him, Master, we've, been, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. We've toiled all night but caught nothing. And that's really interesting because, you know, Jesus is asking him to do something that he doesn't want to do. Peter's hangry. <laughs> they've been toiling all night. They've been trying all night and they've caught nothing. So he's also in a bad mood. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, and now you're washing it, and then this guy is like, hey, can, you know, can I use your boat as a stage? I'm like, oh, man, we can't say no. Look at all these people, you know. <laughs> so there he is. Who knows how long he taught. If, he, if he's like me, you know, it's probably a couple hours or something, you know. And then he's like, all right, let's, uh, yeah, finally, the message is over. Great, you know. And now Jesus is like, all right, now let's go back there. 
and do what you've been doing all night. I'm a carpenter. I have no idea about fishing. You are a fisherman. You've been doing this all night. You do this for a living, but I'm going to tell you what to do. Wouldn't you be annoyed? Just a little bit annoyed? Like, like wouldn't you have like some crazy stories in your head? Like, who does he think he is? Like, he's a good preacher, but he's not a fisherman. You know, like, we've been at it all night. We're in the same spot. Nothing has changed. Nothing is different. Nothing is different. But here's the thing. He knew enough about Jesus to know that his word was enough, right? And he says, at your word. So I love his, uh, he, how he prefaces it, right? He's like, <clears throat> um, we've been doing this all night. But... Since you're saying it, then we will do it. Okay, so he didn't even have to throw that in. He was just being like, you know. And he's like, okay, but at your word, we will do it. So here's the thing. He had a word, right? And he trusted him enough to obey him. Like those are the two ingredients right here. He had a word and he trusted him enough to obey the word, even though it went against everything he knew. In his expertise, and it made no sense. Because they didn't go to a special place. He was not like, hey, let's go 40 minutes to the left, you know, because no. There was not, it was like, just go and, and, and throw the nets. It says, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and the net was breaking. The net was breaking because there were so many fish. And it says, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. This was a net-breaking, boat-sinking miracle. It was so abundant. It was more than enough. It was so miraculous that not just them, but they had more than enough to be a blessing to someone else. Right? It shows you the character and the nature of our God. He's a God of more than enough. You know, I mean, if they caught, you know, I don't know, 50 fish, it would have been enough. It would have been like, it would have been miraculous. It would have been like, wow, there was nothing and now there's 50. But Jesus like, you know, when you, when you trust and obey the Lord, especially when it goes against all odds, when it goes against your knowledge, it produces these, this kind of uh, miracle. Net-breaking, boat-sinking kind of miracle. So much more that you cannot contain it. Is that somewhere else in the Word by any chance? So much that you cannot contain? It sounds like Malachi through 10. He will open up the windows of heaven, pour out so much you cannot contain it. If you give, what? If you, if you bring the tithes into the storehouse? Oh, so you tell me if we give, we'll have more? Doesn't that like go against budget? education, the more you spend, the less you have. Uh, but not with the Lord, right? Because God has principles that are upside down, that work different than this kingdom works. Amen? And so, net breaking, boat sinking, more than enough to bless to be a blessing. It says, and they came and filled both boats. They began to sing and say, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So the glory of God, the goodness of God, the abundance of God led someone to repentance. Isn't that amazing? 
Remember that? It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. God showed him his abundance, his goodness. And, and he's like, wow. He showed him that he wasn't enough, that he needed him, that he needed a Savior. And that's the goodness of God. Um, but it required trust. You know, trust is very related to rest. Because um, the word trust means to have bold, secure confidence that makes one feel safe. To have bold and secure confidence that makes one feel safe. And so he had to trust Jesus enough to say, okay, I'm going to do the thing that doesn't make sense. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 19. And we're going to uh, go all the way through verse 22. It says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was, not, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. You remember the first scripture we read? The Lord is uh, working. The Lord is doing things while we sleep. You know, And so there's something powerful about rest. There's something powerful about sleep. There's something powerful about uh, trusting to the point that you become almost careless in the Lord. And that's the other definition, you know, from the, the Hebrew root, you know, of uh, trust. It means to have both secure confidence that makes me feel safe and to be careless. And most of the times we would think like, okay, like, we don't want anybody to be careless, right? As a matter of fact, we tell each other, be careful, take care, take care, take care. But when it comes down to our trust in the Lord, He wants us to have the kind of trust that you can... Be careless because you're walking with him. Okay? When, um, when I was little, I remember doing this in Mexico City, uh, sometimes walking through very crowded streets or maybe going into the subway with my dad or just walking through, you know, multitude of people in, 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 the, in the football stadium or something like that. And, and, um, and I remember sometimes, I, well, I would be holding his hand because, you know, I would be holding his hand like this. And just sometimes I would just close my eyes and keep walking. I would just close my eyes and walk. And it was perfectly fine because I was holding on to him, you know. I don't know if you ever did, did something like that, but it was, it was perfectly safe because I was holding on to his hand. So I was just following along with his steps, you know. Uh, he was stepping ahead of me. There was nothing I needed to worry about. I could close my eyes and walk holding his hand. I was completely careless because I wouldn't recommend you walking with your eyes closed by yourself, you know. Pastor said, No. But see, that's the kind of trust that the Lord is, is telling us that He wants us to have in Him to the point where you have no cares. Not that you don't care for people, okay? But that you don't take cares on you like they're burdens. Some people walk spiritually like this because it's the spiritual and the mature thing to do, you know? I'm just, I just got, I'm taking care of so many people. 
And you can't even stand up straight because you're just so heavily burdened. And so the Lord is calling us to this trust that implies rest, that implies you can take the day off once a week, that implies that you could, that he tells you to sleep, you know, seven, eight hours a day, and that everything will be okay. And then while you're sleeping, he's still working in your behalf. And amazing things are happening because that trust, that carelessness of walking with the Lord is a uh, display of faith, is an action of your faith that says, I trust you enough to close my eyes and know that everything is going to be okay. I trust enough to turn down that job because it's the Lord's day. I don't know, some of you don't know what that means. It means it's the day of the Lord. It's the day you rest. It's the day you go to worship the Lord. It's the day you gather together. You know? Are you with me? And that everything will be okay. And it's actually a high form of pride and arrogance to think I can't take any time off. And what is it the first scripture told us? Because of fear of not having enough. Instead of trusting no, rest is a command of the Lord. Okay. You okay so far? Okay. And so here you... You have Adam, and Adam is working. He's naming. You go cow, horse, pig, fox, platypus, <laughs> squirrel. Um, you know, and uh, and he's busy. The Lord told him what to do. He's busy. He's working hard. What God put in front of him. That's what he's doing. You know, um, and the Lord had to interrupt him. To bring a good thing to his life. Puts him to sleep. Goes behind him. He goes. Shh. You know. Adam goes to sleep. And when he wakes up. Whoo. Says. And he took one of his ribs. And closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man. He made into a woman. And he brought her to man. You know, and we know his reaction afterwards was like, holy moly, this is amazing. Wow. You know, let's have babies. That happened while he was sleeping. See, good things happen when you're sleeping. And, um, and so that, that, you know, when I was a teenager and I was about ready to get married, but I had no prospects. <laughs> so the Lord reminded me of this story. He said, said, you do what's in front of you as best as you can, you know. Instead of, woe me, I, I need a wife. I can't do anything. Why is everybody around me getting married and I'm not getting married? Why is this happening? You know, and, and I, that's the language of complaint, right? And I'm just, and the Lord's like, no, no, no. You, you, I got you. Just trust me. Just, I just need you to be passionate about what I've put in front of you right now. Just do that. Because when you're doing what the Lord called you to do, he has to interrupt your life to bring about the next good thing. 
And it's happened, I cannot tell you, I, I could probably spend 25 minutes telling you just story after story where the Lord reminded that to me and I was like, I refocused and I just gave my whole heart to what he had put in front of me and then the upgrade came, then the next season came, then the blessing came, then, you know, the next thing came. And, and so he's faithful to do that, you know, but we need to be in that place of rest where we're like, no, I'm good. I believe that the Lord will bring to me what I need when I need it. And a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people think like, if, if I'm not worried about it, and it's not going to happen. I believe the Lord brings me what I need when I need it. And all I have to do is what he told me to do right now. That's it. What did the Lord say to do right now? You know, he told Peter, all right, let's go over there and cast down the nets that I know you're already washed and folded. I know, I saw you putting them all away during my message, Peter, you know. They're probably all nicely put away in their app, you know. And he's like, okay, no, I will trust you. I'll put it. Because see, when we are trusting in the Lord and obeying his word, we're operating under grace. When we're able to rest in him, we're operating under grace. And let me tell you, it's really hard when you're operating in your own strength. Um, we've been pastoring about 16 years, this congregation, this church. And uh, about nine years ago, well, it was probably 10 years ago, we started a building fund because we had outgrown the building we were at. At that point in time, we only had a Spanish uh, service, a Spanish congregation. Um, and, uh, and so we started raising funds for a building. I would look for buildings all the time, you know. And finally, after about six months, I found a building that we could rent out and I started negotiations. And for the next 18 months, so it was a total process of two years of negotiating. This man was hard to deal with. He would change his mind. He would change up what he told you, you know, and I would go back and forth. And there were so many people involved and it was exhausting, you know. And finally, you know, we were getting the building ready, the build out done and all this stuff, you know. And so what do you know that um, as we're getting close to moving into this place and all this stuff, just everything falls apart. And I mean, everything fell apart. We never stepped foot into that building. We never had a service in that building. And then for the next six months, we had uh, to change our service times from an 11 a.m. service here in the East Valley to a 2 p.m. service in the West Valley because uh, we were renting from my in-laws, you know, after their service. You know, we lost half of our congregation. We had about 250 people that attended that service, and, and we've been down to about 100. And after six months, uh, uh, during that time, the Lord gave Carlos Gomez a word, said, the Lord says, in six months, we'll be back in the East Valley. I'm like, okay. So I kept looking again for a building. And I would look, and I would look, and I would look. Everything was so expensive. I'm like, there's nothing we can afford. Some of these guys want me to not just, you know, uh, put a deposit, but they want like my first and my last kid, you know, also to be signed over. And it's like, it was hard. It was, it was difficult. And, um, and so sometimes you get trapped into toiling. Okay. Sometimes you get trapped into toiling and you forget to go back to rest. And so the Lord reminded me again, and I went back to the place of rest. And when I went back to the place of rest, I, I said, okay, God, you know, and and, and I, 
I went to look at a building probably south of, south of the 60, and, um, and I'm like, no, this is not it. It doesn't work. And the lady said, um, uh, I have a building that you might like up here on Greenfield University. I'm like, all right, well, let's go look at it. And she showed me one of those suites over there. I'm like, no, this is too small. It's too, no, I don't like it. And, and I look this way, and I see these, these two suites with a big sign that said available. And I look over, and I said, well, what about those? She goes, yeah, those are available too. And I look in here, and it's just one empty shell. You know, there was a wall right here on the, uh, where that column is. There was no wall here. There was no office, nothing. Just one big open shell. And then same thing for that side. And I look at it, I'm like, this looks real nice. But it also probably is very expensive. She's like, why don't you go talk to the, talk to the owner? I'm like, oh, I'm just curious. He has curiosity, you know. He's like, she'll work something. I'm like, really? Like, okay. We go and we talk to him. And making this long story short, it, within, within two days, we had the keys in our hands. We've been here for the last eight years, you know, yeah. and the Lord has blessed us and we've taken over, you know, a few suites over on that side as well. And we've grown here. But what I want to point out is that I toiled for two years for one place that never happened. And then in two days, the Lord gave me keys to the place where he wanted us to grow. And that is the difference between toiling under the law, under your own strength, okay, and resting and allowing the grace of God to open the doors, to bring the favor, and to do the heavy lifting for you. Are you with me? And the same thing just happened again, right? Been looking for a building, you know. At some point, you know, some of you don't know these conversations because they were only in my head, but I said, Lord, where's our building? I keep looking for a building. Everything's so expensive. You know, I'm waiting for the market to go down. That one's not going down. Everything's so expensive, Lord. And you told us to start a building fund. You know, at that point, we only, you know, we, we had started in 2020. I'm like, what, are, what is this building fund if there's no building, Lord? Like, what, what are we, where are we going, Lord? Like, I need to give people vision and direction, you know. I know that we need, like, a place to go so that people know that we actually have a building for the building fund, you know. And and then I would think like, man, maybe we weren't supposed to start the orphanage first, you know, because the Lord told us, start the orphanage fund first. Take care of the orphans and widows, and I'll take care of your next building. And that was the word that we stood on for all these years. And so we only started this building fund in 2020, in July, right in the middle of that pandemic, you know, and it seemed crazy. And then, you know, just as I was complaining, the Lord reminds me again, you know, hey, Complaining is the language of the slaves. You're a child. Stop complaining. You know, rest. Remember how I brought you the other building? I brought it to you. I'm like, okay, that's right, that's right. That's right. <sighs> and just as you start resting in the Lord again, you know, what do you do? He brought us the building. I got a phone call. I got the phone call. I was like, hey, do you want to buy this building? And within four days, from Thursday to Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, in four days, we had an accepted offer for an incredible deal. Like, it's mind-blowing, but it's the way God works when we're in rest. See, so a lot of things on the outwards look the same, but it's the heart and the place of the heart, whether it's in rest or it's in anxiety, whether it's in fear or in trust, that determines if you're operating under grace or under the law. 
On the outside, it might look the same. Both people might tithe and bring their offering, and one might be cringing inside and, you know, doing it because they have to, and the other one might be joyful and is full of trust and rest because he knows he cannot, get, he cannot outgive God. And the difference of grace and law is on, it's in the heart. It's in the motivation. It's in the place of our heart. Where is our heart sitting? Are you with me? Hebrews 6.12 says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, patience, faith and patience. Sometimes we believe and we don't believe for now. And we think patience means, you know, when there's a long line on the drive-thru. I've come to find out that patience is something that keeps working through our whole life. And, and some things happen, you know, the next day. Some things happen six months and some things happen... Six years and some happen, you know, in decades. But the word of the Lord never comes back empty. Amen? Um, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord. That trust meaning is to have bold, secure confidence that makes me feel safe and that I can be careless with the Lord. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. All of them, he shall direct your path, right? Or he'll make your path straight. We don't want to be taking detours. Have any of you ever taken a detour? Yeah? Aren't you upset that you wasted time and gas and, you know, you had to take a detour? You know, it says, when you trust in the Lord and you acknowledge him in all your, in all your ways, he makes your path straight. And a straight path is the quickest way from point A to point B. And I'm not saying that the Lord cannot redeem if you took some side roads and went backwards and ended up in Tucson before you, you know, and you were supposed to be in Flagstaff. Like, I'm not saying the Lord can't redeem that. I'm not saying that the Lord cancels his plan on your life. I'm not saying that. He doesn't. But who likes to waste time? I don't. And so, if you trust in the Lord and you acknowledge him in all your ways, not just in some ways, but in all your ways, in every decision that comes, you know, in, in every situation, just, just pray. Just ask the Lord. Give it to Him. Learn how to listen to His voice. Then your paths will be straight. You won't have like, how did, you know, imagine looking at, 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 your, at your path in life and going like, wow, that was embarrassing. <laughs> you could have just gone. Mm. <laughs> and... Um, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, if Peter had been wise in his own eyes, he would have missed out. He would have missed out on the miraculous catch of fish, you know? Like, he's the first guy that was able to say, like, my fish was this big. <laughs> my catch was this big. I had so, like, and it was real. It was, like, so good it was in the Bible, you know? And, but if he, had, if he had trusted in his own eyes, if he and his own expertise, and his own thing, like, over the word of the Lord, he would have missed out on that. It says, Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. You know, this correction happens in our heart. It happens through the voice of the Holy Spirit in our heart. God doesn't 
discipline us with sickness or tragedy or calamity or lack. No, just like none of us would do that to our kids. But it's the, the, the voice of the Father in our heart saying, mm, you're better than that. Ooh, that's the discipline of the Lord. And it says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Oh, I want to learn by wisdom and understanding. Can pain teach us things? Absolutely. If you've made a mistake that has caused you pain, you better learn from it. Otherwise, the Bible describes you like a dog that goes back to his vomit. Why would you keep doing that? Right? So I'd rather learn from wisdom. Can pain teach us? Yes, pain can teach us. But who wants to learn by pain? Yeah, well, God, God doesn't want you to learn by pain either. He wants you to find wisdom. And wisdom is when you learn from others' mistakes. You know, one of the ways that, um, that we grow in our pastoring is when we meet with pastors that have been pastoring for a long time. You know, they tell us all the good things that they've done. But I always ask this question. I say, can you, can you tell me what do you wish you had done different? It's a, it's a nice way to say, tell me everything that you messed up so that I don't do it. <laughs> and they're very gracious to share those things. You know, because I want to learn from other people's pain too. I think that's wisdom. I want to learn from the word. I want to trust this enough that I don't have to do the opposite and find how painful it is. Hello, wake up. Don't, don't lose me. I want to trust this word enough that I obey it without having to do the opposite and find out that I was wrong and how painful it was and how much pain I caused to my family. Listen, I grew up in a a Christian home and I was was a pretty good kid. I never did anything too bad. bad. (laughs) Look, eyes on me, please. Why are you looking at my young brother? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Thank you, James. <laughs> I don't even know what I was saying. Thank you, Nick. You know, I didn't... I, I was a very good kid, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, so... But I won't tell you that sometimes it didn't cross my mind. I wish I would have gone the world's way just so that I could try for myself. They seem to be having so much fun. Hey, I had those thoughts. I had those thoughts. But I had the word of God in me. And I had a conviction that if I did what this said, if I trusted enough to follow it, my life would be blessed. And I would have very little pain. And I, I can tell you, my life has had very little pain. I mean, besides this leg... I haven't had a lot of heartache. I haven't had a lot of pain in my life. And, and I'm grateful. I'm not expecting it. I don't need it. I don't need any more pain. If you've ever been through pain, you know you don't need pain. You know? Do some people choose to go down that road 
and they find themselves in painful situations? Yes, and it's sad. But let me tell you, God is faithful to heal, to restore, and to redeem your whole life. So we're never without a hope. We're never without a hope. There's always hope. All right, I got to wrap this up. So it says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, therefore, be hum- therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So what do I do with all these cares? You cast them upon him. Amen. You cast them upon the Lord. He cares for you so that you can be careless. Yeah? Okay. Is it possible to live like that? Yes, it's possible to live like that. Does it work out? Yes, it works out. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. What if bad things happen? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust. Sorry, I don't know why I read that one. My bad. Sorry. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 7. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 56, 3. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. See, the Lord is saying, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. I mean, how many times we trust more humans that tell us trust in me, you know, and we end up disappointed. Why wouldn't we give the Lord the first place in our life to trust him? Yeah, come up here. Thank you. And so rest is a sign of trust. Being able to be careless before the Lord, you know, is, is a sign of trust. Being able to sleep at night is a sign of trust. And sometimes, um, you know, it is our praise and our worship to the Lord that shows our trust in the Lord. Hmm. Trusting God looks like rest. Trusting God looks like rest. You know, I want to have uh, net-breaking, boat-sinking experiences with the Lord, but those aren't going to happen unless I put my whole trust in Him. And some people have put their 50% trust in Him. 10%, 20%, 90%. And I get it. You know what the thing that I hear most people say they, can't, they have a hard time trusting God? It's because they've been hurt by people. They've been disappointed by people. They put their trust in people. And so that's solved really easily when you realize that God is not people. Very simply put, God is not people. He does not violate our trust. But there's something about that, just full surrender, full trust. Am I going to trust you with this? I don't know. You know, I kind of feel like I need to try for myself. Uh, okay. Are you going to continue with that relationship? I don't know if I could trust the Lord with that. I mean, I trust them, but in your head you go, but not that much. Can he bring you a godly wife? Can he bring you a godly husband? 
single people? Do you trust him enough? Or do you think you have to do half the job for him, you know? Like, let me help you, God. You know, it was a miracle that I got to marry Kara. It was full trust in the Lord. It was the grace of God. You know, when God's grace is in operation, miraculous things happen. I don't want to do it in my own strength. I don't want to toil. If you can't rest in the Lord, you're probably under the influence of the spirit of toiling. We believe in grace, yes, but you can't trust the Lord. So how do you believe in grace and but you can't let go of all this stuff? You gotta be in control of it all. Hmm. I want net breaking, boat sinking experiences in my life, but it requires full trust. Full trust. Rest childlike carelessness. That's what it said, right? You got to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. A child that could just close their eyes and walk holding dad's hand just like that. 